Welcome to Enlightenedhood, a sacred space for mothers, mothers to be, and mothers by proxy to share how mindfulness and spirituality intertwine with one of life's biggest responsibilities, motherhood. Each week, we will gather nuggets of inspiration, empowerment, and wisdom from wild and woke mamas who are tapped into their highest selves and raising the next generation along with the consciousness of this planet. I'm your host, Lena Lemos, founder of Enlightenedhood, a community of mindful and spiritual mamas committed to personal growth and divine sisterhood through our one-of-a-kind inner work membership and spiritual magazine. Welcome. I am so grateful that you're here. Hello, you mindful mamas, and happy International Women's Day. You know, I don't think I really have ever considered myself a feminist until this most recent version of me. And that's for two reasons. I think one is that I was never empowered in my womanhood or my femininity. And I always still had that deep rooted shame that we were taught around our bodies and sexuality which I have since released while trying to working on it. I think we all kind of are. But the second one is I've had to heal a lot of wounds surrounding sisterhood and female relationships. And I think it's just such a beautiful time to be a woman and an enlightened woman because so many of us are starting to say, okay, that's enough. We are done with these years of mistrust and cattiness and trying to, you know, not destroy one another. That's a little extreme. That was the first word that came to my mind. Um, but just the competition and we're just moving into this beautiful age of women supporting women and women uplifting women and community over competition and this divine sisterhood and this beautiful community just goes to prove that that you can love other women unconditionally without the competition without the malice without the gossip without the backstabbing and what an amazing world this can be and how much further we can all go when we support one another. And that's one of the main reasons I created this community because spirituality is oftentimes stigmatized. Motherhood is oftentimes stigmatized and there can be a lot of discussions behind your back when you're openly parenting a different way or openly spiritual. So having a community that loves you for you, woo-woo, witchiness, weirdness, uniqueness, unicornness in all, I think is a lifesaver. And I know it has been for me. So for International Women's Day today, we are actually highlighting some amazing women in this community. I asked you guys to nominate an amazing mama in your life who is spreading light and love and just what you had to say truly I was in tears and there's just so much love to go around so if you want to see all the amazing women who are nominated go to enlightenedhood.com backslash international women's day we will also be featuring it on social media and to everyone who nominated a mama thank you so much for spreading love and giving these women a platform to just share their light and their good in the world because 
the world needs more light and goodness, especially right now when there's a lot of fear and panic going on. But anyway, today my guest is Tiffany Lanier and she says something really amazing before I tell you about her that I just want you to consider for a second because I talk about this a lot, but she said it so beautifully. And that's the fact that in this age of social comparison in social media, we have all these spiritual entrepreneurs who are telling us how they're doing it. And that's great. And I love the collective wisdom and being able to share these gifts that we all have. But she made a very good point that if we're trying to be like every other spiritual being out there, then we're not really being true to our own spiritual journey because Our own spiritual journey requires us to go inward and not look for those external examples. So are you being true to your spirituality and your spiritual journey? Or are you trying to be the copycat version of someone else that you see on social media? Because I guarantee if you go inward and pay attention to what your soul needs and make those shifts in terms of how you're practicing spirituality, there might be a little magic that happens along the way. But anyway, my amazing guest today is Tiffany Lanier. She's a leading millennial voice in personal growth, conscious leadership, and meaningful work. She's an inspirational keynote speaker, clarity strategist, and founder of The Morning Shift Co., a personal growth and well-being company dedicated to helping us intentionally hold space to enhance the way we live, lead, and work. After surviving a life-threatening pregnancy and suffering postpartum depression, all while building a business, Tiffany realized one of the biggest modern-day plagues is the lack of space we hold for ourselves during our transitional periods. She quickly discovered in order to be a great mother, partner, entrepreneur, leader, and human, it was pertinent for her to own her shift and move past the societal norm of bug out and burnout. Her intention to rediscover who she was, her purpose, and embrace her next chapter led to a personal and professional breakthrough that have catapulted her life and her career. Tiffany is now dedicated in helping others do the same by creating conscious shifts in every aspect of their lives. Today, we are learning more about Tiffany and her journey through pregnancy and postpartum. And then we're talking a lot about presence and why it's so important in the way that you show up and the ripple effect it can have on the world, whether good or bad. So here's Tiffany. So tell me about your journey through postpartum, because from what I know about you, that was kind of the catalyst that set you on this journey of having a really hard pregnancy and a really hard postpartum. So can you tell me about that time in your life? Yeah. Um, So in 2014, is when I found out that I was pregnant and went through um, some very interesting complications to say the least around my second trimester. And they weren't all very connected to each other. So basically one complication had to heal in order for me to get a procedure on another complication. And I was basically told that I would lose um, my 
unborn child at the time, I would probably lose her by 24 weeks of pregnancy. And I was at like 16 or 17 weeks um, when I got this diagnosis. And it was one of those really life shocking moments. you know, nobody wants a complicated pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And especially at that particular time in my life, I had just, you know, launched um, a new business or at least a new business model um, that year. And so talk about like unplanned pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, But a couple of months later, I got pregnant. And then a couple of months later after that, I went to these complications. And although, you know, through a series of just really prioritizing space for myself, I honestly feel, and I was calling on every, everything during my pregnancy. That was actually a catalyst. I feel like for my own spirituality, mm-hmm. because I had, um, you know, at the time I was coaching and I was coaching entrepreneurs and a lot of my clients were spiritual healers. And I always, I didn't understand why, which I thought was really interesting because I'm like, okay, I have like a yoga client and then I have healing clients and I have all these people who do all these spiritual things, but this is not, at least that wasn't a part of my life at the time. Mm-hmm. And it must've just been like, it's going to be a part of your life. <laughs> so here are yes. these people. Um, and one of, and I remember one of my clients, um, she calls herself the urban shaman. Um, but she, you know, did this whole ritual with me while I was pregnant. Um, and she kind of helped like assisted me and, you know, calling on the ancestors and, you know, doing all of this work that at first I didn't know why I was doing it, but I'm like, at this point in time, I literally will take any energy, you know, positive energy that I can get mm-hmm. in this pregnancy. Um, but I feel like that was like a spark, you know, that took me down a spiritual path, definitely into postpartum. But, um, at that 24 week mark, like literally a day before there was a deadline for me to get the procedure, one complication healed for me to get that procedure on the day that was the deadline. Um, So all of this happened over a span of 10 weeks. That was very, you know, that felt very bleak, but also I didn't allow myself to go to those depths of dark places, at least while I was pregnant, because I knew that I had to give my body a fighting chance to heal. Um, so I tried to stay as positive as possible and really just, you know, meditate and like tap in as much as I could to my body and allowing it to do so. And so that was, I was very fortunate that, um, you know, we overcame the complications and I had my daughter at 37 weeks. So she was definitely a miracle baby. I think all of my doctors couldn't believe, like literally couldn't believe that, she made it to 37 weeks. They all thought that I would definitely be going into labor by 24 weeks, if not 30. So it was all a miracle after that. And it took me about six months before I started experiencing postpartum. Wow. Um, me too, actually. Okay. Yeah. And you know, when I talk to other moms, it seems like it's a long time <laughs> thereafter. Cause I, you know, I mean, I'm in the midst of newborn and yes, that has its own level of chaos. Um, but I felt like I was keeping it together. Like I felt like I was, I was doing all right. And then about six months later, actually I ended up, um, I was living in Denver. My daughter was born in Denver at the time. We were living there for a couple of years and we were decided to move back to South Florida where my family lives. And so, um, in the midst of, you know, a move and, strained, you know, friendships and all kinds of things started happening at the same time that I think was like also aided to 
what went into this full spiral of, of postpartum. And I didn't know what I was going through at the time. Like I didn't categorize, you know, the, the symptoms that I was experiencing. It just felt like I was really out of whack. Like I wasn't myself. Um, I still had to show up. You know, I ran a business and I was pretty visible online. Um, at the time I was doing a live stream like every single morning <laughs> called the morning shift. And that was really interesting because it was difficult to show up, but at the same time, very therapeutic for me. Mm -hmm. And I think showing up in that capacity actually helped me um, a lot more than if I would have just decided I can't do this. I don't have the energy or the space to, you know, show up for others, but because of, you know, the subject matters and growth that I was talking about, it really helped me better understand myself and what I was experiencing as well. That doesn't mean it was easy <laughs> by any means, because oftentimes I would like live stream and do work and then go cry in the corner. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why, not, you know, like what is happening? And it was definitely a moment in time that I felt like a fraud. You know, I felt like, who am I to be a voice of inspiration or a voice of motivation or clarity, because that's a lot of the work that I do um, for entrepreneurs is, is what I call clarity work. And I didn't feel very clear, right? I didn't feel very inspired. I didn't feel very motivated. And it just left me feeling like an imposter on so many different levels. Um, and that is, yeah, I mean, that's what postpartum felt like to me, like out of, out of body experience, just not who I wanted to be at that time. And I think I was pushing so hard to be all the things that I thought I was supposed to be. And it was probably causing me more mental and emotional damage by not really um, allowing myself some space. Mm, I feel that so deeply. I, I think that I went through such a similar thing and building a business too, despite a very hard postpartum. And I think for me, the beginning of motherhood was very magical too, but at a certain point around six months is when it started almost all cracked. And I've talked to a lot of women who that's kind of the point where we're supposed to be back to normal and we're supposed to be this and that. And yeah, we're supposed to have been worked out already and lost all of the weight. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to have done so much by six months. Yeah. And I also feel like that's when everyone stops checking on you and asking if you're okay. Right. And, yes. Oh. Yeah, that was that was a really big one because I'm definitely one of like all those memes that, you know, check on your strong friends. <laughs> that that's me. I am the strong friend and the one that I think most people just assume always has it together, right? Mm -hmm. I, I carried kind of that perfection weight <laughs> with me, um, probably since school, um, that I always had all the things together, even though that that is like a lie, <laughs> right? Like none of us have it all together all of the time. Um, but because of that, people just assume that I am okay. I mean, and when I say people, I mean, my, my partner, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, like you're, you're okay. You're fine. I'm sure you're fine. And I'm like, I'm, I'm really not okay. But I also wasn't very vocal about not being okay because I didn't want people to think that I wasn't okay. I was ashamed of how I felt. I held on to a lot of, you know, guilt, um, just 
from a mommy standpoint, there's a lot of mom guilt for a lot of reasons, but that was definitely one of them. Like, why, why should I feel this way? Just doesn't make me feel like the best mom that I could be. It didn't make me feel like the best partner I could be. It didn't make me feel like the best entrepreneur I could be or the best coach that I could be. And I just felt like I was lacking in so Mm. many of these departments that I prided myself in, in so many ways. Yeah. Did you also feel like your, what you were feeling and the fact that you didn't necessarily identify it as postpartum depression was because it didn't fit what you had been told about postpartum depression and what you knew about it? I think I had decided that I couldn't be depressed Mm. because I had suffered, you know, through situational depression, um, most of my like teenage and early twenties. And when I made, literally I made a decision like in 2012, which is like the first year that I started my first business, um, and embarking on like a personal growth path that I was going to just do better. You know, that I wasn't going, I was going to look at, you know, the cup as half full (laughs) and not half empty and that I was going to, you know, try to, um, create the experiences that I wanted and that all of a sudden I would become, you know, unsusceptible to, to being depressed. So I think I was just really in denial Mm -hmm. that I could be depressed in general. Like that's not me. That's not who I said I am. So this can't be what I'm going through. Got it. So what did that shift look like? What was the turning point of you coming out of the postpartum depression and using all the tools you learned to move yourself forward? Yeah. So it took a mentor of mine to kind of slow me down. You know, I was thinking at the time, everything was like business oriented for me. So I was like, what's wrong with me right now must be my business. (laughs) Like my business must be wrong. And that's why I feel this way. And this is also part of the denial. Um, And I had a mentor that I thought was going to be helping me with my business. And it was, you know, it was everything else. I mean, it was that plus everything else. And she brought to light that, you know, I had gone through so much, you know, had I considered all that I have gone through in just, you know, a year, a year and a half's time at that point, the becoming pregnant to the complications of the pregnancy, to overcoming the complications, to having a newborn, to then experiencing, well, at that time, still, you know, kind of playing with the words postpartum depression, all while building a business through it all, right? Had I considered what that kind of trauma does to my, you know, does to the body. Mm -hmm. And had I slowed down enough to even admire the fact that I was still here, still standing. And that kind of hit me like a ton of bricks at the time, because I didn't know how to slow down, right? I didn't know my mind and my mission and everything that I want to do continues to move. And that's just kind of my personality. I'm very ambitious and I just kind of go for it. Um, But she's the one that was like, well, maybe you need to create some more space for you to understand what you've gone through, what you've experienced and how it's impacting you right now. Mm. And that was the beginning of me really taking some time in the morning in particular. Cause she was like, well, maybe you should, you know, here's a couple of things. Here's a meditation that you can do. And, you know, a gratitude practice and all the very generic like things <laughs> that people say, um, you know, to start you, you know, start your day positively. But 
I took it seriously because I'm like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. And maybe there is a way for me to kind of help myself move through some of these deeper emotions that are coming up for me. And I began to to meditate, even though at the time I felt like I wasn't a great meditator <laughs> and that I didn't know how I didn't know what I was doing. And I began to, you know, find the things to 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 reconnect to, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Um and within like a week or two, I did feel like a physical difference just in how allowing myself to be a little bit more. And as a coach, I'm like, okay, there's, there's something more to this. And there's something more that you can do to support where you are right now, to support your vision for yourself, to support your vision for your work and how you want to continue to grow. And so I just kept expanding what my morning practice could look like. And um, the same client, past client of mine that I talked about a little bit earlier, um, Valerie Schultz-Gonzalez, she has a book called Becoming Light. And I think right around that time she had launched this book. And it's a book of rituals, basically. And um, I remember being like, okay, I'm going to do a ritual from this book. And it was, it was like a soul strength ritual because I basically felt like just very disconnected from me, from myself and from my soul. And um, I'm like, I'm going to add this to my practice every day, <laughs> every day. And what I felt like I received from doing this particular ritual was a sense of grounding that I just had never experienced before. Mm. And it must have like completely opened a gateway (laughs) to my intuitive connectedness because I was just flooded with downloads. I was just flooded with all all of the things that I think I just had put a cap on. And it was coming to me far more easily, far more frequently. And it allowed me to kind of reclaim my power, if you will. Um, And by doing that, along with my other activities within my practice, I really feel ultimately that that is what got me through postpartum. Mm, Yeah, I've always heard when you ground yourself and you go further into anchoring yourself, the higher that you can go. Yes. I mean, I... I didn't realize that I was probably doing a full-on ritual every day, Um, but it definitely, I just felt so strong in myself. And at that particular time, it it felt like I didn't know who I was for, you know, a year, year and a half. Mm -hmm. So then kind of taking that growth of self-discovery and just really allowing myself to dig in deep. And that's what became like my personal morning shift was carving the space, holding the space, creating the space to give myself what I needed each and every single day so that I could be a better mom and a better partner and a better entrepreneur and a better coach and a better all the things better for the world around me because mm-hmm. I was taking care of myself. And that was something that I neglected for so long. And I think it's just such a beautiful testament to the fact that you listened to yourself and you adapted because I think, like you said, we're all told that there's these very generic things that you have to do every single day to have a ritual and you have to gratitude journal and meditate and get up early. And I think that can seem very overwhelming. And if that doesn't fit what your soul needs, it can be kind of disconcerting when we don't 
feel those shifts happen. Yes. Yeah. What I always share with, with my people is ask yourself when you wake up in the morning, what do I need today? Mm. You know, and, and sit with that for a moment because your body well, it's always telling you something, whether we're listening to what our body is telling us is another thing, but our body's always speaking. And so sometimes you may just be like, your body is like, I'm really thirsty. Can you please hydrate me? <laughs> you know, like, please water me. Um, I need water. Um, I need to just be still, you know, I need the five minutes. Like even this morning, you know, my, my morning routines, my morning practices isn't always the very first thing that I do. It might be the thing that I do after I drop my daughter off mm-hmm. at school. Um, so it might start off what feels like a little chaos, you know, and then I have to reground and ask, what is it that I need? And I know that this morning I really needed to meditate. Even that meant five minutes. It kept coming up for me over and over and over again that I needed to just be still for a moment and like reground. Um, and so I think it, it really comes down to creating a, creating a practice for yourself, like knowing that you're going to incorporate some things into a practice, but being more fluid about what that practice looks like for you in the season, you know, that you're living in. Mm, yeah, that's important too, because it can always change as we change. Yes, for sure. I mean, I change, you know, from a strategic standpoint, I might change my stuff monthly, quarterly, every six months, depending on even how I want to expand, right? How I, what I want to learn, what is necessary for me to move forward, whether that's in life or in business. And I put it all into my practice. Um, but on a day-to-day basis, it is being, you know, centered enough to, and honest enough with yourself to ask, what is it that I need? And sometimes I need more sleep. So sometimes I just go back to sleep. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, I might need 20 more minutes. And yep, same. <laughs> maybe that is healing enough. Maybe it's not journaling today. Maybe it's not meditating today. Maybe it's just purely sleeping for the next, you know, the extra 20 or 30 minutes could be exactly what my body needs. So how has listening and creating these adaptive and dynamic rituals, how has that helped you excel forward in your life and in your business? So around the time that I was, you know, kind of coming out of postpartum and starting to do these practices, you know, consistently and daily, the amount of clarity that was coming to me was tremendous. That's why I was saying I was getting all of these downloads mm-hmm. and like my intuitive connection was just so strong and it helped me be clearer and clearer and clearer. And as someone that is a clarity coach and strategist, it deepened my work. Like just that alone shifted how I worked with other people. So that was huge um, because then I was moving away from just pure strategy pure like marketing strategy and business development strategy, all the numbers, all the things and being, how can I incorporate more spirituality in the way that I help people grow and succeed, right? Even those that may not feel that they are spiritual, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. right? But how can I allow them to deepen their understanding of self? How can I guide them, um, to do what I did, you know, the raw self-discovery work that allows them to better know who they are, what they stand for, what matters to them, what's important so that they actually do, 
and make moves in alignment to their highest selves. Right. And Mm -hmm. so to me, that was both life-changing and career-changing. And I've been able to incorporate that in all of the work that I do, from coaching to speaking to now, you know, last fall, I launched um, my company, The Morning Shift Co. Because I'm like, I think a lot of people talk about morning routines, which is awesome, great. (laughs) Like there's millions Mm -hmm. of hits, like if you Google it. But what people aren't helping others do is really tap into their sense of self and creating really more of what they need. Mm-hmm. Not a cookie cutter approach, but like something that is unique to you, your vision and how you're looking to grow and expand. Um, and so, you know, it, I mean, it all changed. It, it changed my whole entire life. I think it's so important what you said about raw self-discovery, because I think that is the core of quote unquote spirituality. And there's so much, yes, spirituality is becoming more accepted as a a non-stigmatized thing is less taboo, but there is still just that misconception that it's woo-woo. And Mm -hmm. I think, I love that you called it raw self-discovery because I think that's exactly what it is. And the more you want to go inward and connect to your highest self and the people who need it most are sometimes really turned off by when we call it spirituality, but that's what it is. Right. Yeah. I let people decide what they want to call, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm just here to be a guide the best way that I know how, and you take what you need and you can leave the rest, you know, but helping people connect because that is ultimately a problem that we're really faced with today is that we're hyper connected, you know, via online, we're connected to people all over the world. All, like people, you know, we would have never met each other if it yeah. wasn't for social media, right? Um, which is a beautiful, amazing thing. But even though we are so hyper connected and hyper productive, we a lot of us feel like there's something missing, right? We've we've taken everything to another degree that has disconnected us from just who we are versus living in a place of trying to always keep up with, you know, the internet Joneses, (laughs) no matter what industry you're in, you know, even on the spiritual side, like if you're trying to be like every other spiritual being, you're not allowing yourself to experience your spiritual journey. Mm. And I think that is what is really important right now is allowing yourself to just be fully connected um, and working on the connection. The connection is a practice and sometimes we feel like, oh, well, everyone says, um, you know, I need to be more connected. (laughs) And that could be frustrating if you're like, I'm trying to connect, but I don't feel connected. If you look at it as a practice, as I look at everything, literally everything to me is a practice that I might physically add to my morning practice, but I have to practice it. Mm -hmm. That's the point of a practice. It is something that you do continuously but you also are practicing. It doesn't mean that you are going to get it right. It's just as if you were rehearsing for a play or a dance recital. What do you do before the show? You practice, you rehearse until it becomes second nature to you, right? Mm -hmm. And so as we continue to allow ourselves to deepen our connection and to expand, we just have to work each day to practice what that feels like and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and when we practice, that's putting our energy into our strengths and our own skills and what we need. Yes, 
Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't know what I was up to when I first started, <laughs> you know, like I'm like, I'm holding space. I don't even know what that means, but I'm holding it. Uh, <laughs> I'm creating this container for myself, you know, and, and that's ultimately what it is. It's a, it's a container of discovery. It's a container yeah. of exploration. It's a container of connectedness and consciousness and playing with the duality that is life. It is not this, you know, always heightened crystals around a bathtub experience, right? It's, I mean, though, that's exactly what I do. So yeah. <laughs> if you follow me on Instagram, you will see that there's oftentimes I have crystals all around my bathtub. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm taking a bath, but it's not all, that's not spirituality. That's not just self-care, right? It is also the, the tears and the pain of the discovery that yes you have to heal through. But what I've learned over the years is that that's where the good stuff is. That is where the, the lessons really lie. Right. And that is what we can take with us to lend a helping hand, to expand our vision for our families, to expand our vision for our work. We really can utilize all the growth that we go through for the betterment of the world around us. I love so much that you said that because I think that's what my mission has been too, is just to change that conversation. And I think it also just goes back to you calling it raw because vulnerability right now is a buzzword, right? Like we're all like, be vulnerable, hold space, you know, like you said, like hold space. What does that mean? What does that even mean? And we have all this spiritual jargon almost that is used so widespread that can make us feel like we're not practicing right when really the practice is so unique to us and what our soul needs. So I love so much that you said that. Thank you. Yes. I mean, it's, I think we, as just humans, we do that with everything, (laughs) you know, like I'm not, I must not be doing this right. Cause my life doesn't look like theirs. I don't have crystals around my bathtub yet. No, (laughs) you could put crystals around you wherever you are. Uh, um, But if you just feel not connected to the images that we might see, you know, online or that we might see at events. And then we think, well, then we must not be doing it right. And you are, as long as you are allowing and breathing and moving through, you're doing it right. There Mm -hmm. is no right or wrong answer to how you approach your connectedness to self, to spirit, to the cosmos and everything in between. Right. Um, it's really allowance and acceptance. I think on it all, mm-hmm. like what it comes down to is allowing yourself to feel what you feel, um, and move through it the best way that you can with what you know. And mm-hmm. as you expand and as you grow, you learn and you know more and you're able to do more. Yeah. I don't know why this just came to me because I get weird downloads too, but I don't know how you feel about this, but the hardest part for me in that whole process is trusting the unknown of what that next version of me and that next version of my reality, once I've gone through all this change is going to look like and not, Mm -hmm. and not being resistant to that. Yeah. Um, so funny thing, um, my phrase for the year is into the unknown. I'm really, me too. I keep singing it. I'm a really big frozen, even when I said, feel what you feel. And then I'm like, I have like the song stuck in my head from like the reindeer. Like it's really bad. Okay. Um, 
I love that movie. And every single song to me is a spiritual awakening in itself. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to put that out there. But um, I think if you've seen Frozen 2, if you haven't, go see it. So then you can like understand why I'm going to just reference the whole movie right now with this <laughs> answer. Um, because what came to me was like, and obviously the song Into the Unknown, but the next right thing. Right. So allowing yourself to not have to see the big picture, like we all have this bigger version of what we think we want. Right. But that changes. It changes as we grow and expand. Five years ago, you couldn't tell me that I would be doing exactly what I'm doing today. I knew that I would be speaking. I knew that I would be coaching in some capacity. I knew that, you know, there was probably going to be a book in the works or some sort but I had no idea what the subject matter was going to be. And without going through what I went through from the complications to the postpartum to doing it all while being in business, it created its own little unique <laughs> world um, that was just meant for me mm-hmm. and how I experienced it, right? So I couldn't have known that that, I couldn't have planned it. There's just no way that I could have planned exactly what I would be up to today. So allowing ourselves, and I trust me, I fought it. Like you were saying, the resistance, I fought it every single step of the way. I tried to construct myself when I was going through postpartum. I kept trying to be like, no, you're going to be this person. You said you're this person. You said this is what you're going to do. You said this is how you're going to work. This is how it's going to be. And I kept having like those shackles being broken off of me over and over and over again, because that was me trying to have control over something that wasn't meant to be controlled. Mm. And with that self-discovering, with that just discovering of maybe conscious life in general, I realized that my only, my only goal is to really show up. Mm. And that is showing up for literally whatever is next. And all I can do is the next right thing, the next best thing, the best thing that I can do based on the knowledge that I have today to work with. Because Mm -hmm. tomorrow, or even after our discussion, I might just be like, oh my goodness, I didn't even think of that this way. I didn't even understand that this was possible. And now I'm a different version tomorrow than I am today. Mm -hmm. So allowing ourselves to be open to the possibilities of growth and change and understanding through our lessons, through the unknown, through maybe the the chaos that doesn't quite feel like clarity. It just feels like chaos. But as we continue forward, the clarity begins to shape itself. But all of that stuff before, all the gritty and grimy fog that we may see or feel at any given time throughout our life is necessary to move us to the next right thing for our Mm -hmm. path, our journey. Yeah. And it's just such a testament to how much power there is in our own story and our own journey and to let go of that comparison to someone else's journey. Yes. Yes. And again, I think with just our society, you know, just with the massive amount of social influence that we are connected to, it's hard not to compare. It's hard not to think that you are supposed to be somewhere than where you are right now. Um, And then it's hard to go through your own journey alone because 
we all want to be connected to others. We want others to experience what we're experiencing and vice versa. And a part of this raw self-discovery and allowing, I think it's so important to have community, but a part of it is a solo journey. You know, part of it is you having that space by yourself and then being open to community. And so when I started building the Morning Shift Co., um, or even before I built the Morning Shift Co., I would hold um, morning shift sessions at my co-working space here locally. And people would come in to do their practice and community. And that shifted everything for me because mm-hmm. I had spent so much time doing everything by myself, which I think is needed, but also to be able to open up to others and have a connected support system around you as you're building and growing. To me, that's a catalyst for so much inner and outer change because then we're seen, then we're heard, but we're also getting to experience what we experience without having or feeling the need to be somewhere else. Mm, That's so powerful. So how has empowering others through this message empowered you? I mean, I'm empowered, I feel like daily to, to continue what I'm up to, you know, even when the doubt or the fear creeps in and you're like, is this what you're really doing for a living? Like, is this, is this what it really, you know, what it means? And you're like, actually, yes, because my message and my mission, I know it isn't for everyone, right? But it's for someone. And there's someone that needs to hear what I have to say. And when I empower those around me, or when I take notice that I've empowered someone around me, it always reignites and reconfirms why I experience what I experience. I do firmly believe that we all go through something for a reason. And we don't usually know what that reason is at all whatsoever. And it sometimes can be so painful and so treacherous. Um, But if we make it to the other side, I think just by sharing our story, in some capacity. It doesn't have to be a podcast. It doesn't have to be a book. It doesn't have to be a business even, but it could be sharing with friends, right? Sharing with family, um, showing up just a more confident, conscious being has a ripple effect in the world. And so for me, just shining in my light the best way that I can any given day is a testament to my own growth. And I hope that I continue to be able to shine light on those that are right next to me as well. Mm, I think that's so important too, because sometimes we can feel like we're not doing enough, but just knowing that just by showing up and shining our own light, it's a beautiful ripple effect and touching more people than we know. Yeah. I mean, we really underestimate the power of our own growth and becoming um, and what that lends itself to, because I usually give this example when I'm like doing a talk, but the long story of it or long story short version is, you know, like just think about how you impact your, your kid or your spouse. Like if you're having a bad day, right? Like, let's just say you're waking, you like literally woke up on the wrong side of the bed and you're not having a good day. You're not feeling very connected, very outer body experience. And you have an argument like from the very beginning because you're not feeling great. And that person leaves also not feeling 
so great, feeling upset, feeling anger, feeling mad. They take that out on, you know, they go to work, take that out on a coworker. Like it's just these little tiny things that we don't really realize that just by how we show up, how we communicate, how we connect to one another could be impacting someone that we don't even know down the line. Right. Mm -hmm. So to me, I try to stay really conscious of how I just show up in general, but definitely for those that are closest to me, because I want people to to not only have a great experience experiencing me as a human, but I want them to continue to carry that energy to wherever they're going to go next. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love so much that you said that because it's such an important lesson. Oh, as my dog goes nuts at someone. Not sure if you heard that. Yeah, his, his arch nemesis is probably walking by right now. So we'll just give him a minute. <laughs> Can you hear that from your end? Yes. <laughs> He's like three rooms away. That's so funny. Maybe it was just squirrels. He also doesn't like the way that the squirrels dig up their acorns. He's very particular (laughs) about them. Don't dig them up that way. That is not the right way. That's so funny. He's he's a silly guy. I totally forgot what I was saying. Um, Oh, yes. Just how uh, important it is, is that conscious decision every single day to show up and have your best energy and your best foot forward. I think it's a very powerful thing that we forget holds so much importance. Yes. Yeah. I, and I will preach that till I can't anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can just really get it into people's mind <clears throat> how, how impactful that is. It really is. And I don't know about you, but how this is the hardest thing with that <clears throat> as I lose my voice, that's been the hardest thing for me to overcome in all of this is how do you deal with those who aren't willing to act that way and tend to act from a place of fear or jealousy or hate? How do you deal with those types of people who aren't willing to choose love and kindness and gratitude? That's a boundary thing, you know. Um, I'll give you a good example of something that I told my daughter recently. So she's in preschool and she was having for like a month, a good month, I feel like her and her best friend basically were just at each other. More so her friend was at her, like not, you know, going through a lot of, I know her mom. And so I know that they were going through some big life transitions. And so maybe, you know, the daughter was kind of reacting and responding to that at school and particularly towards my daughter. And so my daughter would come home and she would just be so upset, like just so distraught. She just like loves this little girl to pieces. And she'd be like, she was very mean to me today. And, you know, she just looked at me mean, or she told me to not look at her and to like get away from her. And I just didn't understand why, you know, and she's just very like taking it to heart. Of course she's four. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I'm like, okay, well, what, what she is experiencing is not for you to experience too. Like, I know that you love her and you care for her. So all you can do is say, you know, that's not very nice. That's not very kind. And I don't deserve to be treated like that and walk away. And it's up to her to kind of fix what she's experiencing towards you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I told her, um, I was like, you know, you get to choose 
every day that we get to choose when we show up around other people, you get to choose to be very sad and really in your feelings about it, or you can choose happiness and you walk the other way and let her choose if she wants to continue the poor attitude or if she wants to change in order to hang out with you and be cool and be your friend. And so we did this whole mantra in the car, um, something I don't know if, if kids are saying it in, in Jersey or not, but she says exit a lot and she like puts her fingers together. And that means like, I don't like that, like exit to that thing. I don't uh-huh. know. I don't know. My husband's a teacher. He would know. He knows all the cool lingo. I don't know if it's like a preschool thing or it's like a big thing. I'm not sure. But she would, because sometimes she does it to me like, oh, exit that. Like, I don't want that. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> but anyway, so we would, so in the car, but I decided to reach her where she was. And I was like, so what we can do whenever, not just this friend, but any friend or anyone comes towards you in a way that you dislike or do not agree with, you can exit that feeling. So for this instant, exit sadness and choose happiness. And so every morning we would get in the car and I do like a mantra and affirmations with her anyway. And then after at the end, I would say, so what are we choosing today? And she would go happiness. And I'm like, we're exiting. And she goes sadness and we're choosing happiness. And I think that it empowered her in that moment And I could see her face change because at first she was very sad all the time. And just by even saying, I choose happiness for myself, I can't control what this other human is going through and what they feel. I can have empathy for them, but I don't have to take on their energy as my own. Mm. And I think that's important for all of us as adults to also realize that we don't have to internalize everybody else's feelings or behaviors. I know that at times that might have a direct impact on our lives and our existence, especially if we're very close to them, if they're, you know, partners or best friends or, you know, stuff of this nature. But at the end of the day, all we can do is share our peace and then we have to walk away and we have to still be able to maintain and sustain how we want to feel mentally and emotionally and let that person have what they're going to have. So true. And definitely easier said than done. <laughs> it is not easy. I didn't say it was easy. I said we have to exit, yep, you know, yep. fill in the blank and choose fill, fill yep, in the yep. blank. Um, yep. but and choosing, it's a practice. Yeah, the choosing is where the strength comes from. Yeah, and, and you get to choose and you get to choose again. So mm-hmm. you might make a choice in one way and it's not, you know, serving you the way that you wanted it to, or maybe serving the relationship that you're trying to hold on to. And so you get to try another tactic and you get to choose again, mm-hmm. but it's really the choice is a practice in itself. And so as we continue to strengthen relationship, our relationship with ourselves and relationship with others, it's just creating the practice of, and so, like I said earlier, like you just have to practice it. I didn't say it was going to come like as soon as you choose it, but you have to practice it yeah. and maybe it will begin to turn. So what is on your spiritual bucket list? Spiritual bucket list. Um, I have been wanting to do like a like meditation retreat. Mm. and like for a couple of days and I feel like all the ones that I found were like 10 days which is seems a little more intense (laughs) and I I would have to be away for a long time but if I could find something that's like a three-day meditation (laughs) retreat that would be awesome I really want to do that sooner than later oh me too 
That's my goal to cultivate those kind of things within this community and support moms who want to join, but have trouble with childcare and putting that into the, out in the universe right now. Yes. (laughs) definitely yeah because that's something to you know I've had friends that have gone on like 10-day treks and silent meditations but they're all very long and so I guess it is time to create something that fits more the the mom life (laughs) because Mm -hmm. we can't all get away for you know that long I know I follow a few spiritual entrepreneurs who just did an ayahuasca retreat in Costa Rica for 10 days Mm -hmm. and talking about it and how important it is I'm like well that's great but it's not easy for moms to just drop everything and go and be in an altered state of consciousness for 10 days in the middle of the rainforest I mean as much as I would love to do that it's not necessarily realistic and then it's hard to not feel less than when you don't get to have those types of spiritual experiences right so we're putting it out there anyone who's looking to create we just gave you a totally great business model (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> something to consider yes. um, because it's true. It's, it's creating equity, you know, in this space um, yep. for everyone to get to experience a little bit of something. Stay tuned. Enlightened retreat 2021. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, well, Tiffany, it's been such a pleasure having you on this podcast. I'm so grateful that you invited me to have this conversation. So thank you so much. It is my pleasure as well. And as you know, I like to end with words of wisdom for anyone listening who needs some words of encouragement or empowerment or inspiration today. So what are your wise words to end on? So a phrase that I like to share is that we have a responsibility to humanity and the planet to connect, grow, and become the best versions of ourselves. Thank you for listening to Enlightenhood. For more wisdom from spiritual mamas like you in the form of guided meditations, videos, articles, masterclasses, and more, check us out at enlightenhood.com or connect with us on Instagram at enlightenhood. If you need a tribe of like-minded women to dive into personal and spiritual development with, check out our monthly membership where we show up, go inward and upward together. Enroll today at enlightenhood.com backslash membership for less than the cost of a yoga class. Until next time, you mindful mamas.